I am so privileged to be able to interview a really good friend of mine, Kristen, on today's episode. And when I started to prepare for this interview with Kristen, I had to think about when and how I even met Kristen in the first place, because she's been in my life for so long now, it's kind of a bit of a blur. I met Kristen just over 13 years ago, shortly after I started dating my husband, Brandon. I had moved to Saskatoon and I really didn't know anyone. So I was kind of thrown into this group of friends that my now husband has and kind of just like thrown to the wind to get to know all these people. And honestly, it had such a great impact on me because I met such an incredible group of people just kind of putting myself out there. And I met Kristen through this group. And there's so much that I could tell you about her, but I don't have time for that on this interview. But what I will tell you about Kristen is that when I met her, she was this passionate, driven university student. And she was so excited about her field of study that she would talk to anybody who would listen about it because it just ignited her passion. And it still does today, as you'll see in our interview. She is just dynamic about what she does. And she always, it didn't matter how busy she was with projects and finals and, you know, assignments. She always made time for weekly wing nights. And I was always so grateful for getting to see Kristen and it just kind of made my week. Nothing has changed. I mean, we don't have weekly wing nights, obviously, but she's always there. She will always be there for those that she cares about. Her friends can always call on her if you need someone. And I truly hope that you have a Kristen in your life. I hope that every one of my listeners has that friend that you can vent to, that doesn't judge you, that is always just a text or phone call away. And Kristen has been that um, at numerous points in my life. So I'm very grateful for her. You will get to know her through our interview today. And you're going to see that not only is she passionate about what she does for for work. Her career is incredible. Her husband is also very busy in his career. And between the two of them, they're, you know, juggling these demanding careers. And they have three incredible, but very busy boys. And her house is a circus. So sit back, grab a coffee or glass of wine, and just listen, get to know Kristen a little bit. And I hope that you find something to take away from my conversation with Kristen, because that's what it's all about. It's about normalizing the chaos of being a mom. We're all going through, you know, the trenches of motherhood, and it's all about realizing you're not alone. Kristen is going through some of the same things that you are, and maybe you can take some of the things that she's going through and learn and laugh and just grow as a mom. So welcome again, to another incredible episode. And I'm so glad you're here. Here's my conversation with Kristen. So I am so excited to have Kristen joining me today on Joy in Your Circus. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Like I said, I'm just a little bit nervous. My first podcast for some silly reason. I don't know why. Oh, don't be nervous. It's going to be tons of fun. And I know so many of my listeners are going to be really excited and engaged in what you have to say because you are just an exceptional person, I must say. Oh, from one to another. Well, thank you. That's so sweet of you. So let's just start. So people that don't know you, let's describe yourself in three to five words. 
Okay. I would describe myself as passionate in pretty well everything that I do. Um, I'm very caring. I am a mom. I am a physiotherapist and I am very family oriented. Speaking of family, you have a bit of a circus just like I do. I do. (laughs) So why don't you tell us when you became a mom, talk about your kids a little bit and the dynamic in your house. Okay, sounds good. So I met my husband in high school and we can, I'm maybe we'll dive back into that later, but fast forward 17 years almost and um I became a mom for the first time in 2015. I had my first little boy, Teddy. And then in 2017, I had my second little boy, Arthur. And then in 2019, I had my third little boy, Anderson. And so both of us are working full time, except for I do four days a week. So the the dynamic is exciting and action-packed and loud (laughs) the volume (laughs) the volume is just incredible it's loving and there are so many requests for kids shows in my household all the time but it is awesome I wouldn't have it any other way so why don't you tell us maybe something that's unique about each of the boys okay So Teddy is my oldest. He's five years old and he's, he is my little boy. He is detail oriented and he likes to know everything about everything before he makes a decision. He's really happy doing whatever it is he's doing and he doesn't want to change to the next thing. (laughs) (laughs) He's pretty funny that way, but he is so sweet and so caring. I guess that's more than one thing. Arthur is my second son, my middle child, and right now he's three years old and really in the three-nager stage and really middle-childing it up quite a bit. (laughs) But he is so caring and he's awesome and something unique about him, he's a really big go-getter and he loves to help me bake and cook in the kitchen all the time. Oh, I love that. Yeah, he's so cute. And Anderson is my youngest. He is one year and just about five months now. And he's got a lot to say. And he is just on the move. He's motoring. He's talking. Something unique about him is that he is extremely independent. He just wants to do his own thing all the time. He likes the snuggles too, but yeah, if we're outside, he's just put me down. I'm running. You can't carry me. Just let me go. Well, and that's, that's interesting for the third child. I think that that's, that's a really good quality that they he has some independence because by that <laughs> point, you're so busy that that little bit of independence can sometimes be fantastic. Yeah, totally. When one's going one direction, the other's going the other direction. He's going in his own direction, but he's fine to do that. He's not like mom chased me in this direction. So it's nice, actually. Well, and you know what, with it being your third, you're a little, I think you're probably a little bit more okay with that than, you know, like you're, you're like, yeah, it's fine, whatever you go do your, you do you. And a hundred percent. He is not, yeah, Humpty Dumpty at this stage. It's like, he's not going to break. Yeah. We're good. No, you're totally good. So 
just talking a little bit more about motherhood. So what qualities do you think as a mom are the most important in a role model for your kids? I think that some qualities that would be important as a role model would be, well, especially with my kids being at the stage that they are now, I think that somebody showing them what responsibility and accountability are is really important (laughs) instead of just like, oh, I'm going to thrash my little brother and then run the other direction. It's like, no, you have to stop and make sure that he's okay. You have to be responsible for whatever happened, make sure that everybody's okay. And then, you know, apologies and whatnot. So I think those are important. Uh, Trustworthiness is really important. Doing what you say you're going to do, not lying, following through. That's really important. I think that some other qualities in a role model that I would look for would be um, communication, talking about what it is that you're trying to accomplish or just talking it out with anybody that you're trying to do anything with it. And then on that note, also teamwork is important as well for a quality in a role model. And then again, like having passion for what you're doing, trying to find the thing that makes you you and the thing that makes you tick. I think that's important as well to see in a role model, especially if it's something good in nature. For sure. Well, and I think too, like you have to have lots of those people present in your kids' lives that, you know, they have to go along with your beliefs and what you want for your kids. So it's so important that you guys have laid out the things that are important to you for your kids. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And we definitely surround ourselves with those kinds of people, like you guys and family and other friends and coworkers. And yeah, they get to see, they, well, in ordinary times, they would get to see a lot of people that are good role models for them. Now they just get to see them on video. It's it's just not the same. (laughs) It's not the same, but you know, we're just doing what we got to do. Exactly. Speaking of doing what you got to do. So what do you think was a bigger adjustment for you? One to two kids or two to three? That's a good question. I think that one to two was probably the bigger, like they both had their own big adjustments. But I think that one to two was probably the bigger adjustment for me just because I was so used to, you know, doing stuff with my little one and doing, you know, giving as much of myself as I wanted to give at any given moment to that to my little one to Teddy. And then going And then also, you know, sometimes Evan being available at home or Teddy's napping, I could still have that time for myself. Going to a second child, you don't have that same time for yourself anymore. You might both be chasing kids in other directions. You don't get that. Yeah. Just having that time for yourself. Kind of a shock to the system. Yeah. In a way, I think. I'd say so. Yeah. I think you're kind of already by by the time you have your third, you're kind of like, I don't know, you're in a way you're set, you know, like, okay, it's going to be chaos. So just what's one more? <laughs> yeah, totally. You're already going in a couple different directions and you're used to that. Yeah. I think one of the things that was a really big adjustment for me going one to two as well is that one plus, I guess, with COVID being what it is, is that we've been separate from people for so long we're not getting the same hit from cold and flu season so we aren't having sick kids in our household which has been you know one huge plus to all of this 
But that was really tough. When I went from one kid to two kids, Arthur spent a lot of time sick and so did Teddy. And so it was just like, there was just no breaks and we couldn't see people because we were sick. And so not only was it just one kid to two kids, but then there was sick kids. And yeah, that was sick. Kids are the worst, Matt. <laughs> sick kids are the worst. <laughs> they're oh. really tough. And then especially when they get you sick, oh, and you still <laughs> then they're sick. To take care Ugh. of everybody, and nobody takes care of you. <laughs> I know. So, although I'm pretty stinking lucky, like my family's in town, Evan's family is in town. Evan is super supportive, but still when you're sick, it sucks. Let's be real. It does, but it, yeah, it definitely is a bit of a blessing when you have family around that can even, you know, make you a meal or take a kid for a couple hours. And that definitely is handy. I would agree with that. Okay. Let's talk two to three kids. Do you have any tips for someone that maybe, I mean, things are a little different right now, but in general, going from that two to three, do you have any tips for somebody Yeah. And I've definitely had a couple people ask me this question, like, what do you think, you know, going from two to three big tips is that I think my major, major tip would be that oftentimes, especially in the early stages, you will feel like you're being pulled in a hundred different directions at the same time. And, And that can be overwhelming, but it does get better. That time does pass by quickly and it still happens from time to time, even after the earlier stages. Oh my goodness, yes. But then uh, uh, from time to time, yeah, once or twice. You know. But then the kids do start playing with each other and you get to see the sibling dynamic and it's just, it's beautiful and it's so sweet and cute and you get to watch them teach each other at the older ages. So my biggest tip would be, even though it feels chaotic, there are those beautiful moments to look forward to as well. So let's go back to your first week as a mom. Looking back now, is there a particular piece of advice that you would maybe give yourself? I would say don't worry about being 100% perfect all the time. Yeah. <laughs> don't do about don't worry about doing everything right, the right way or the best way to change a diaper or having the best diaper creams or whatever cuz you know, there's so much information out there. You can research everything to the nth degree and try to figure out what the absolute best thing is out there for everything. Just don't worry about that. It it all balances out usually and just try to drink it in because it really goes by so fast. <laughs> Babies go from little itty bitty bean infants to toddlers yelling at you so quickly. So oh. <laughs> just... Don't worry about the small stuff. Honestly. And you know what? We survived. Our parents didn't worry. They sweat all of the small stuff like we do now. And somehow we survived. Yeah, totally. So let's just think about the next 10 years for you as a mom. So what are some of the milestones, some of the things that you're the most excited for when it comes to your boys? I think that I am most excited for activities, actually. And I know that some moms out there will be like, you're going to eat your words when you're driving your kids. <laughs> some moms, you, you're going to be like, yeah, those seven o'clock in the morning practices. Oh, see, you know what? I don't do those ones. <laughs> I've lucked out in any of the yeah. ones that we've had. And I think the earliest hockey practice we've had has been a 730 across town. And even yeah. that, because, you know, you've got to be that. there like 20 to, depending on right now, it's only 20 minutes. But before it was like a half hour, 40 minutes beforehand. 
So yeah. it's, you know, but those ones. And if you have other kids to get up and cart with oh, you, exactly. that would be crazy. I mean, we kind of divide and conquer a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's the smart thing to do. And we'll be able to do that too, I think, between us and our families and stuff. But I think I'm most looking forward to in the next 10 years watching my kids develop into the young individuals that they're going to be and just watching them get into sports and music and practices I'm just really going to enjoy being the soccer mom I think over the next 10 years you'll be such a cute soccer mom I think I think so I already have the minivan like totally said I don't have the van yet I'm like not there yet what do you think are there maybe stages that you're kind of you're kind of dreading in a way as a mom like when you think ahead are there certain things that you're like uh no yeah and I worry about it maybe a little bit more than I need to be at this stage but I look at I watch the kids getting older and I'm dreading the big you know if any of them get bullied by somebody in school I'm dreading helping them navigate through those social dynamics and I'm dreading what in the world are we going to do with our kids and social media? Mm, yeah. That's something that I'm dreading figuring out for them. Like I find it to be, it can be a lot. I don't partake in all of the social media. Like I do Instagram and Facebook mostly. I don't, I have Twitter and Snapchat, but I don't really engage in those too much. But yeah, the next technical thing that the kids will be into and just their access to social media and just navigating the social aspects of that and how much information they get from that, helping them figure all that out. I'm dreading that. Well, and who I knows think. what that's going to look like, right? Because, you know, it changes so quickly by the time, you know, five years from now, three years from now, who knows, right? Oh, yeah. Who knows what's going to be going on? Oh. Totally. So yeah. for me, there's always certain things that I said, I was never, ever in a million years going to do as a mom. And you kind of like, you say you would never do this, but you like (laughs) under your breath, kind of like, you know, I'm never going to do that. Nope, nope, nope. But then now you find yourself yourself doing certain things. Like, do you have any of those? Yeah. Letting my kids watch way too much TV. For sure. That is a big one for me. I remember, I remember, okay, this was so silly of me. I remember being somewhere and I was hanging out with, a friend of mine who was a mom and I remember their kids watching TV and just being glued to it. And I remember trying to have a conversation with the kids and naively thinking that a kid should just like peel away from the screen and engage with me and thinking to myself, Oh man, I'm never going to let my kids watch so much TV so that they can stay social with everybody. And now it's like, a, I totally get it. It is very hard for kids to like peel themselves away from something interesting on TV. Like that's hard for them. And B, sometimes you just need those quieter moments. You know, lots of times oh, you know. need those quieter moments to, to either just bring the noise level down or try to get something accomplished. Yeah, that was one of the main things that I said, oh, I'm I'm just like, whenever I have kids, they're not going to watch a ton of TV. It, and I do my best. But yeah, they end up watching a little bit more than I would. Well, times when we've had coffee, it's like, oh, let's put a show on for the kids so we can actually chat. You know, yep. like, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Like, I feel like, I mean, you can be choosy about what they're going to watch. But like, at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Like the kids, they're going to be okay. <laughs> Yeah. And I always thought to myself, like, oh, I'm going to be that awesome mom that's like always 
ready and looking good and whatever. And yeah, (laughs) it is so funny. Like so many times I'm like, Tuke, yep, because I sure didn't wash my hair. Oh man, lose tack. I I feel you so much. Tack, bra. Don't really need that these yeah, days. See, yeah, the difference between me and you in that department is you have to go to work and you have to look presentable somewhat at work. Yeah, it's kind of refreshing, actually, Aww. but <laughs> to get ready. That's the thing. You feel, I, you do, I mean, as hard as it is to like put time into getting yourself ready, sometimes it's just you can't, but you do feel better mm-hmm. about yourself when you go into your day when you're, you look good, as silly as that sounds. Nope, totally. I get it. Yeah. So, okay. So I feel like as a mom, sometimes we have moments of clarity, those like Oprah aha moments where your perspective just changes on something as a mom. So have you come across any of those moments that you can share maybe? I think a couple of moments and it just happens periodically, fairly often actually, where I just have these moments of like, oh my God, all of the things that my mom did did for me (laughs) over the years it's just I'm so thankful for her packing us up and making it just the small things packing us up and taking us places and packing us up and traveling to whatever the grandparents house or an aunt and uncle's house and packing up oh let's say packing up to go on a camping trip like all those moments for things that my mom has done that it's just been put into stark perspective for me because it takes so much planning and preparation and work just to make a trip happen or you know even just the simple things packing us up and taking us to school and getting that ready there's so much work to especially in the winter oh my goodness just to like get your kids ready to get out the door like when you have those extra things to put on yeah and you with four (laughs) like you just have that much more and it, it like each kid that is one thing though it's not really you would think as one kid gets older it would take a little bit less time they're a little bit more independent and I'm sure that time will come and Teddy's five and he's in kindergarten and sometimes he can get himself ready but usually it's still the battle of like put on your ski pants put on your ski pants put on your yep. ski pants <laughs> yeah I think yeah. that's like around the like between six to seven mark just so you you know the end is coming I think that's where you're where you're looking forward to with the ski pan <laughs> yeah yeah I think so but even just like me asking them to do something them listening to it and then them doing it and not getting distracted oh, along all the way follow through there <laughs> yeah definitely I'm looking forward to that that's gonna happen it someday will. right it will right? believe you me like Jackson <laughs> is oh man so Jackson's going on nine and you know that kid I don't, you know, he does everything for himself. He's out the door, like in two minutes with ski pants, two commits. And that yeah. part of me is like, oh, that's so, that's so helpful. I think one day I'm going to look back, you know, they always say, oh, you look back and miss this certain things I will not miss, but I maybe will miss like being needed in certain ways, I think. Oh, definitely. Do you have certain aspects of motherhood that you're like, that definitely sparks joy for me? Yeah. I think that right now, it's a lot of the simple things right now with Anderson is our third baby and in all likelihood he is our last and it just it brings me a lot of joy so I'm still nursing actually good, good for just you just a little I'm bit I'm really proud I'm really proud of yeah. you I could not nurse that long and I think it's incredible when anyone is able to so that's awesome 
Yeah, I, I count myself really lucky. And actually, I am totally going to say thank you to medication because without my Dom Perignon, without it Dom Perignon, it would be possible. <laughs> I know, right? Dom Perignon, without <laughs> my daily champagne oh. three times a day. No, without that, I wouldn't be able to because, yeah, he went through a period of time that um, he was losing weight and then I didn't have enough milk and then I was able to start Domperidone, which was actually really nice when it came to going back to work because usually in going back to work after kids, the milk drops off and you're not able to keep up. But with the medication, I have been able to. And so it's it's the simple joy of being able to have those bonding moments where he's nursing and he's still interested in it like more than the the other two I think he's he's not as easily pulled away from it which is really nice because usually they get distracted especially at this age and they're running around so it's it's been the simple moments it definitely sparks joy for me just to have those special cuddling bonding moments with each of my kids so Anderson nursing him baking with Arthur and him cuddling up and telling me some crazy off the wall story because he's got such an imagination and same thing with Teddy those little moments of just sitting with him and building Lego and or just watching him develop as a little artist his little stick figures are getting pretty impressive now so just it's all the little things for me that definitely brings me joy as a mom and I think for sure with all the craziness of COVID it's kind of because we've been forced to slow down you're almost recognizing some of those things a little bit more I think Mm -hmm. it's just bringing kind of to light a lot of things that we almost just kind of sped past or took for granted and now when you were forced to just sit and you had nothing else to do you put more attention to those things Instead of just always being busy packing the kids up to take them places, just, yeah, having that time to slow down and smell the roses, so to speak, and watching each of them develop in turn. It's been nice because, yeah, I get to spend a little bit more individual time with each of them. So how have you found, um, speaking of COVID, how have you found with Teddy? Has he kind of been, have you seen any, like, effect from, like, the social differences and things that are going on on him being your oldest? Have you felt anything with him actually it was really funny in our we were just hanging out in the house and the kids were running around and playing in the basement and they had built this pile they had brought a couple of different mattresses and kid mattresses and um uh couch cushions and piled them up and they were just running and jumping onto them and acting totally crazy and I posted it on our family group chat. My father-in-law says, oh, that looks like a lot of cabin fever to me. And I said, oh, yeah, actually it is. So I think I think that Teddy has had a fair bit of cabin fever. There's a lot of wrestling and just physical, you know, trying to get get that energy exertion going that he's been doing a lot of. The kids wrestle. Oh my gosh, they wrestle so much. Uh, It's it's crazy that way. So I've been seeing him wrestle quite a bit. I've been seeing him turning to, you know, trying to boss Arthur around a little bit and telling him what to do and turning into a little bit of that first child parent at times, I think. Arthur, Arthur, do this. One, two. So, you know, (laughs) we have that conversation every single day with my son, like... And he's going to be nine. So brace yourself. 
Oh, yeah. I know. It's going to go on and on. So, yeah, I don't know if that's a social difference. But what I do notice is that he asks a lot if he can have his kid, his friends over and see his cousins. And when we tell him no, he's sad and he's, I I wish COVID never happened. I wish COVID never existed. Is Santa going to get COVID? Like all this, he's very concerned about it and he wish it never existed because he misses seeing his friends a lot. But thankfully, you know, we did, so he's in kindergarten and we did uh, choose to let him go to school and he just eats that up, that social interaction. He just loves that. And they go to daycare as well. So in that way, he's been able to keep a little bit of normalcy and some social interaction with kids. Are other so, kids. It's interesting because, yeah, like we here have heard a lot of the same things that you mentioned in our house. And I yeah. just think like, yeah, we had a lot of the like, oh, I wish COVID wasn't here and I can't wait till COVID's gone and yeah. this is stupid. And, you know, you don't realize how much of a toll it takes on kids when they hear us talk about it too like oh they pick up on so many things like when you're talking about it with your spouse and they you know hear things and yeah I was talking about the vaccine and stuff and oh are we getting needles like I don't want a needle I don't like I don't like needles and like it just it spirals (laughs) right like It's just something that I'm curious to see how it's going to play out long term and what kinds of effects it's going to have on like social development of kids like down the road if it's going to take like you know six months for them to kind of like learn to be close to kids again like stuff like that like I wonder like it's just weird. I know it is weird but uh, one thing that's been so interesting is we've been able to watch the resiliency of the kids too seeing them adjust to wearing masks and being worried that they would have so much troubles with it and they've actually been blowing me out of the water with how well they've been able to do Teddy, but also just other kids in school, talking to other parents about their kids. They're blown away by how how much grit their kids have shown with COVID and just like, oh, yeah, whatever. We wear masks, whatever. It's fine. Keep on going a lot of day. Brandon well, goes to the gym and, you know, when they brought in uh, wearing a mask for your entire workout or whatever you know he was like oh I'm not doing cardio anymore I can't wear a mask to do cardio Scarlett has you know two and a half hour sessions at the gym and she wears a mask the entire time when she does gymnastics and you know Jackson's wearing a mask on the rink now playing hockey and so it's just it's and they're like okay like I guess if that's what we have to do you know so versus an adult that's like I'm not doing that yeah (laughs) yeah like I'm not doing cardio no treadmill (laughs) for me I'll just lift weights like it's just the difference right in my situation, COVID has kind of, it has its moments in my marriage where, you know, you feel like it's bringing you closer spending time together. And there are days when you just want to kill your spouse because you're too close. So yeah. just, let's <laughs> talk about um, you and your husband. So first off, let's talk about, so you mentioned how you kind of met. So let's talk about your love story a little bit more. Yeah. So Evan and I are actually high school sweethearts. We met at Holy Cross High School where we went to school and Brandon was in our grade two. So that's how all of us got introduced to each other was high school. But yeah, Evan and I started dating in, this would have been 2003. So we were in grade 11. Summer before grade 11, you know, we actually, we went and hung out at Brandon's house and we were watching a movie and Evan reached across and held my hand and I was like, oh, that's pretty sweet. 
16 years old. So yeah, fast forward, we got our licenses. Oh, um, I actually, one of the fun things that we did before we started dating is I taught Evan how to play volleyball. Nice. Actually. <laughs> so he was like, hey, I like this girl. She's pretty cool. I'm going to ask her to play, teach me how to play volleyball. And at that time, we were in 11th grade. I was five foot four. Evan was also about five foot four at that time. Fast forward to now he's six foot three. He grew really quickly. But yeah, he started to play volleyball with I taught him how to play volleyball. And then he made the high school team and I was on the high school team. And then he asked me out and I said yes. And almost seven 16 and a half years later we're yeah Brandon three does kids. take some credit I think he he does bring that up every now and again that he has some sort of a credit to you guys being together with some capacity yeah he was on our first I don't know date I don't know if you would call it a date like the he three of us like hung out one time like, oh man oh, we had so much fun just whatever yeah, running around the neighborhood in the pot I have to ask, what is the most romantic thing that Evan has ever done for you? Ooh, good question. I probably think that the most romantic thing he's ever done, he does lots of little romantic things. He's not a big, you know, head over heels, super romantic kind of guy. He is very thoughtful, though. Like, he'll let me, he'll come get the kids and tell me to go back to bed and he'll make breakfast in bed and do those kinds of things. So you better spill the juice on your proposal story because I always love a good romantic proposal story. So how did he do it? We just went out to Cranberry Flats and um, he had, it was really funny. He had a backpack packed with a bottle of wine and a bottle of champagne and a bunch of stuff set out for a picnic. And I'm like, I'm kind of like a go get it kind of girl. Like, give me, give me something to carry, like, give me something to do. And he would not let me carry anything, which I kind of had my sneaking suspicion of what was going to happen during that trip to Cranberry Flats, but he wouldn't let me carry anything. So he's like schlepping, schlepping this giant backpack and a bunch of stuff. And he just, he planned it out and asked, proposed to me at this certain spot at Cranberry Flat. Aw, what a sweetheart. That's a great story. I just, I love proposal stories. They melt my heart. You know, and it isn't always those grand gestures that we love the most. Sometimes it's the simple, thoughtful things like helping with the kids in the morning so that you can sleep in or making you breakfast. Those simple things can really make a difference in your day. Yeah, just those little day-to-day -day things like always giving me hugs and kisses. Okay, enough of the mushy romance. Let's t chat about pet peeves because I love a good pet peeve as much as the next person. So what is something that Evan does that just absolutely gets under your skin? I'm sure there is one or two. There's a couple of little ones for sure, as there is with anybody, I think. But I think that my biggest pet peeve would be if I'm trying to have a conversation with him or I'm trying to ask him a question and he is totally within hearing proximity of me I know he's heard me there are no other distracting noises nothing but he'll just like continue to walk away or walk <laughs> downstairs or whatever and so I'll often go underneath my breath like 
yep good talk or something along those like that I think yep. is my biggest no, I, I know exactly sure. what you're talking about yeah. I think I think most wives experience yeah. something similar to that in some capacity yeah so let's just see like if I was to yeah. ask him what his biggest pet peeve about you is what do you think he would say I actually asked not that we want to burst each other's bubbles on this but I asked him that recently because I would have said Leaving water glasses everywhere (laughs) from having the kids and nursing and stuff like that. I think I just got in the habit of having a water glass in the bathroom and having a water glass on my nightstand and having whatever walking water glasses (laughs) out and about through the house, just like leaving water glasses and dishes everywhere. And I asked him, I was like, that's for sure a pet peeve of yours. And he's like, actually, no, it doesn't really bother me. I just pick it up and I put it, I put it away. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty awesome. Like, I guess that's great. So I would say then that his biggest pet peeve about me would be if I ask him if he's sure about something. So say if I ask him a question like, hey, do you want to go to the grocery store or do you want to whatever? Do you want to get apples at the grocery store? And he'll be like, no, no, I don't really want apples. And I'll be and then I'll say, are you sure? <laughs> he hates that. If I ever question his decision making on anything in any way shape or form a small time thing like that or a big time thing are you sure he's oh, just yeah. like yes i'm sure you, you can't yeah, my him, clearly. <laughs> oh man that's funny. yeah that's actually that's interesting i never would have even thought yeah. about something like that but okay catch myself sometimes because i'll be like are no. you sure and i'll be like oh no don't ask him Okay, so I definitely want to talk travel because over the years you've had the opportunity to go on some pretty awesome trips. What is hands down the best trip that you have ever taken and why? I think that I've taken lots of, I've been really lucky. My parents live to travel. They love it. So I've taken some really awesome trips with them. But I think the trip, I'll say trip, but really it's trips that have taken the cake have been going to Hawaii with my family, with the kids. It's so much fun to take that. It's a big production, of course, but oftentimes we go with my family as well. My parents have a condo on the big island of Hawaii, about a half an hour north of Kona. And we take the kids there and it's just, it's all set up. It's easy breezy. And it's just so fun to watch them explore and get out and walk and get out into nature and play and play and play. It's so the most you fun. You traveling with kids, you are so brave. And I hope one day I am that brave. I, I will get there because has, <laughs> she has told me her resolution is to go to Mexico. I was like, we're talking about New Year's resolutions. And I was like, well, I don't know that you're going to get to Mexico this year, but you keep hoping. <laughs> But what would yeah. you say, like, if you were to give me three top travel tips for traveling with kids, what would you say? Trips to Hawaii are pretty long haul trips. Like if you get a pretty good flight pattern, you're looking at anywhere between 12 and 14 hours of travel. So it's a pretty good haul. My One of my tips would be, we'll start with an obvious one. Obviously, make sure that you're stocked up on snacks and drinks. because if all else fails to keep a kid happy, let them eat. (laughs) My kids love to eat all the time. I think lots of kids love to eat all the time. So like pack exciting snacks that's, or have some snacks and be ready to like 
go shopping at the little kiosks at the airport and pick, let them pick out snacks. Like having that food is so helpful for everybody's sanity and happiness. I would also say let your kids sleep when they want to sleep. Sometimes people think, I think, and I think this just goes for any time when it comes to sleep. People think, you know, if you let your kids stay up, they'll fall asleep for longer or they'll fall asleep at those opportune moments. Nah, it's often met with resistance at that point. I think that that's what I found with my kids anyways, is that if I let them sleep when they want to sleep, they're a lot happier when they're awake, whether it be during takeoff or while they're on the flight or when they're in the airport, just let them sleep when they want to sleep. I think that goes well. And then the third least obvious thing that tip that I would give a person that's traveling with kids is actually try to book, you know, especially if you're doing a long haul trip where it's the option between, okay, you could have two connections. Say you could go to Saskatoon to Vancouver and then Vancouver to Hawaii, or you can have a couple different connections, you know, Saskatoon to Calgary, Calgary to Vancouver, Vancouver to Hawaii or something like that. Take the opportunity. I think having a, It sounds crazy, but having a few connections is kind of nice because it breaks up the air travel. It gives them a chance to get off the plane and run around a little bit, which is air travel in itself is exciting for them. They, They actually do pretty well. And then also make sure you're giving yourself time because inevitably, if you have a tight connection, then you're trying to run and haul kids along with you. Obviously, whenever you have to be rushing somewhere inevitably your kids are going to have to go to the bathroom at that point or they're not going to want to at that point or they're not oh you know they washed a shoe or whatever <laughs> I think my my best story with this one is we had a little bit of a tighter connection or you have to you know you don't expect it and you have to go through customs again as you're about to go into the states or something like that where you have to give yourself a lot of time but I think my best my best one is we barely made a flight This was on the way to Hawaii. We barely made this one flight. And I think we had landed in Vancouver and we had to go through customs again. And it was a tight connection. And then we got through customs and then our flight was on the opposite end of the airport. So at this stage, it was me and Evan. We had Teddy and Arthur at the time. And I was pregnant, like super pregnant. So Arthur was due March 2nd and yes, I was super pregnant with Arthur. We had Teddy and we are literally (laughs) running across the airport (laughs) with kid and luggage and like all of our stuff literally running. And this was in January and I was due in the beginning of March. So I'm like super pregnant and trying to run. And I ran. And I was like, okay, that was definitely more physical, <laughs> physical exertion that I should have been doing at this stage of my pregnancy. I got there. I was winded. I was so thirsty. <laughs> the stewardess was just laughing at me because I was like, can I get a water? Can I get another water? Can I get another water? And she's like, um, you should have just brought a water bottle. I was like, yeah, I definitely should have, but I didn't. So yeah, leave some time between your connections and give yourself the time for connections. The travel, you know, it's fun to get there, of course, as soon as you possibly can. But giving yourself the grace of time during your travel is, I think, by far and away, my number and one. And here I am just visualizing tip. you running through the airport from that story. <laughs> 
<laughs> just like beat red, super pregnant, like a little bit oh, sore man. after I'm that. Just visualizing for sure. all the passerbyers <laughs> just like shaking their heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like picture Home Alone, the scene where they're just like trucking yep. all the kids and all their stuff through the airport running yeah. top speed come on kids let's go like it was totally bad and go ahead go just ahead leave me, Sacri- just leave me sacrifice me make the plane uh, leave me behind i'll make it oh, eventually man. and he did he booked it carrying ted and i booked it pushing you the know, stroller with all we of our had a moment like that before like an airport running moment without kids but when i went on our honeymoon when i had hurt my foot and I had a boot on my foot oh. and I remember we had like a really like I don't know we got stuck somewhere we were late I don't even know and I remember like Brandon's like running and I'm like I can't like I can't run <laughs> I just physically couldn't and I'm like just go just go leave me leave me so I can kind of sympathize in the way of trying to run for a flight so <laughs> yeah. yeah in a slightly hobbled pregnant, circumstance Okay, so we've talked travel tips, but I'm curious now, do you have any destinations on your bucket list? Thinking ahead after the haze of this pandemic clears, where do you want to go? Like what's on your list for the next crazy destination? Yeah, I was just talking with Evan about this. So I've been binge watching on Netflix, Emily in Paris, and I like crushed that crushed it on Netflix while I was folding laundry and so Evan speaks French I don't speak French but I think it would be awesome to go to France with him and just experience some European culture and watch him speak the language and connect like his family some of his extended you know distant family is from France so it would be cool to check out the culture and yeah. just check out Europe with him that would be very cool I haven't seen that show France. it's actually been on my list I've had a few people recommend it it's so cute. Such an easy watch and like some good funny haha cringeworthy okay, moments that I really appreciate. Yeah, it's fun to watch like as a mom with your like greasy hair and your yoga pants and the sweatshirts and whatever. It's fun to watch the fashion and it's like that's so impractical. She's wearing high heels running across Paris, whatever. But it's fun it. to watch it. From the time I met you, you have been so passionate about physiotherapy. And when I met you, It was just kind of one of those things that really excited you and you were in university and any chance you got to chat about it, you were all game. So you are, you just returned to work in August, right? Okay. So your third maternity leave, let's chat about how has your return to work been? It has been, all of my return to work from maternity leaves have been, from the professional aspect, have been so awesome. Like I just... I've got totally rose-colored glasses on and I'm just like gung-ho, ready to use my brain again, ready to help people again, excited to get back to work, I think. And just, yeah, excited to dive back in with that. From the motherhood and life balance side of things, though, particularly with this third maternity leave, it's, it's been tricky, like trying to find that balance. And with COVID, Evan has been so Evan, my husband is a pharmacist and he has been busting his butt at work basically since the beginning of this. And so it feel he's been around a little bit more as of late because things have kind of hit their groove in terms of COVID and in terms of preparation and not so many 
changes professionally and stuff like that from what's been going on with the pandemic. So he's been around a little bit more, but particularly when I was getting back to work, he hadn't taken holidays since, you know, the middle of my maternity leave. And it it was a big adjustment going back to work with the three little ones, taking them to daycare, still nursing, you know, working on having the energy to like nurse, get the three kids up, get them ready, take them to daycare, go work, bring them home, you know, often Evan's working nights. So then getting all three of them fed supper when they're all hangry, because that definitely happens as soon as you get home from work at that, like five o'clock witching hour. It's like, okay, get the kids food now, because it's never quick enough in their eyes. And then getting them to bed and then doing it over. It just, it goes by so fast and it's a lot and it's, tiring and uh I've hit my groove now but it's still work in progress honestly (laughs) but professionally being back at work and seeing my patients again and seeing my co-workers again and being in the clinic again and wearing a couple different like doing some new things there it's been a lot of new things and I'm a really big fan of like jumping two feet in and doing new things I've noticed many physiotherapy clinics have added a virtual component during the pandemic. And as a physiotherapist, I'm just curious what it is like connecting with your patients through a digital platform versus that in-person component. Is this awkward? Is it weird? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, definitely physiotherapy is a really hands-on. So for anybody who doesn't really know what physiotherapy is, we're a medical profession. We are a first line of access therapy. So if somebody has an injury, they don't necessarily have to go to their doctor first. They can come straight to us. So we go through um, a line of questioning and then we assess things to see what the problem is. And then as physiotherapists, we can do some hands-on treatment to help a person get better. And then we give exercises or changes to life that help to fix whatever or help either to fix or to help the person to fix whatever issue, you know, created their ache or pain in the first place. So it's a little bit weird in that you don't get that. It's especially weird lacking that face-to-face interaction with a person and seeing their body language and seeing the way that they're moving. You see some of that on Zoom, but it it depends, you know, or like, cause that's the medium that we use is zoom for a video chat. So we can still video chat. We can still see a person. We can still see the move, but we can't touch and get hands on and feel joints. I've done it a little bit with being back to work in August. So physiotherapy came back into action in May, pretty early on in Saskatchewan after everything shut down. So a lot of my colleagues did a lot more virtual assessment and treatment In the earlier months, like the spring, early summer of 2020, and by the time I got back in August, people were pretty well rolling with coming back into the clinic. So the vast majority of what I've seen has been in clinic, but I've done some virtual meetings. And yeah, it it is a little bit weird, but not too crazy, but a little bit weird. And if, you know, stuff hits the fan again then we may just have to do a little bit more of that. Or, you know, people getting sick with COVID and needing to cancel or just feeling more comfortable with doing virtual stuff. It's a little weird, but it's not as weird as I thought. And I'm finding that my clients are finding that it's not as weird as they thought it would be either. They're still getting help. 
So if someone listening is looking for an amazing physiotherapist, where can they find you, Kristen? Yeah. So if you're looking for somebody, if you're looking for me, you can find me at Donald Physiotherapy in Stonebridge. So if someone was to come to you as a first kind of point for an injury, let's say somebody, I don't know, let's say someone fell on the ice or whatever, something like that, which is probably common in this province. Yep. So if someone came to see you guys prior to going to see a a family doctor or whatever, if there was issues that required, like, let's say they, they injured themselves to the point of needing to see a specialist or something is how does the process work? Like if you discovered something that you felt needed to be dealt with. If somebody had say a slip and fall on the ice and they really hurt, we'll say in this circumstance, they really hurt their knee and their knee blew up like a balloon, (laughs) which unfortunately can happen at times. What they would do is they come to us. We look at a person's of course, we see what's going on with that person in their life. What kind of circumstances do they need to navigate? What do they have to do for work? What do they have to accomplish at home? Are they a mom of four kids? Kristen, I almost think that you're almost jinxing me in a way because I ran 12 and a half kilometers on the ice today. So don't jinx me because I feel like I'm going to fall on the ice now just because you said mama four in your ice story. Good for you. You are so brave. That is the one... I am such a chicken when it comes to like when things have frozen and then thawed and then frozen again and it's really icy. I don't run as much at those times because, yeah, I've had a couple of good slip and falls myself, too. (laughs) But I'm not jinxing you. I'm knocking on wood. It's not going to happen to you. But I'm just saying, (laughs) thinking about a person's life circumstance is important. But if if we say discovered that a person went sideways, landed on their knee poorly, injured what we thought was perhaps an ACL injury or some kind of a situation where we felt like they needed to be referred to a specialist, usually in that circumstance, if they needed to go to a specialist, what we would do is we write a note to their family physician because their family doctor still has to be the one to refer them to the specialist. Um, God forbid that happens to anybody, but that would be the road that we would take if somebody did need something more urgent. So in Saskatchewan, can a physiotherapist request something like an x-ray or an ultrasound if they feel that's necessary for the patient? We should be able to, but no, we cannot. (laughs) There is advanced practice physiotherapists that can do that in Alberta and BC, but we're a little bit behind the times. But what happens is same thing. If somebody has a situation where, yeah, say they slipped in fell on the ice and say they hit their elbow or something like that and we suspected a fracture we can we can actually make it happen so there's two ways we could go about it we can get them to go to the medi clinic or someplace that has or to lakeside or someplace like that that has an x-ray or ultrasound readily available in their building and we can send them there and say write them a note and say hey this is what happened we're suspecting a fracture if you think that it's beneficial, can you send them for an x-ray? Yeah. I, At which point they say, oh, yeah, send them for an x-ray. <laughs> so we can't directly refer to it. And so I suspect that typically other healthcare professionals like family doctors and such aren't going to dispute your diagnosis maybe, or they're not going to necessarily stop you from your desire to initiate further diagnostic tools. Like, I don't think that's typically an issue, would you say? 
no, no, nope, they don't. So yeah, it's pretty easy. So if somebody needs an x-ray or an ultrasound, then we, again, send the note to the doctor and it usually happens within the week, you know, pretty toot sweet. So over the years, you've had some pretty cool opportunities to be involved with athletics here in Saskatchewan. So maybe you can chat a little bit about some of the really cool opportunities you've had to be involved as a physiotherapist in athletics right here in Saskatchewan. Yeah, so over the last 10 years, this would technically be my 11th year. This last year would have been my 11th year. I've been involved with the Saskatoon Hilltops football team as one of their trainers. I call it a family because it really is a family of people that work together to get these athletes on the field. And so I've done lots with the Canadian Junior Football League over the years, but I've also been involved in a couple things here and there. I've done some things with Irish dance. I've done some things with volleyball, wrestling. I did medical coverage for the Saskatchewan Games one year. I think that's so awesome. What a cool opportunity that you've had to just dabble in so many different events and sports over the years. Oh, yeah, it's definitely action packed. And I'm passionate about it. The athletes are passionate about getting care and making sure that they're not hurting themselves. And sometimes, honestly, I'm slowing them down at times. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like it doesn't when I'm out there on the field, and oftentimes at work too, but really when I'm out there on the field, it, it doesn't feel like work. So I'm curious what initially sparked your interest in physiotherapy. Was there something that just like was a light bulb moment or what exactly drew you to the field? As a young girl, I was involved with a lot of athletics. So yeah, this it does tie in for sure. But It was a little bit of a side piece. So when I was young, I had knee pain, kind of growing knee pain, I think, because I grew awfully quickly and I was in seventh grade and I was running track and I got this horrible knee pain whenever I was trying to run. And at that point, my mom took me to physiotherapy and it only took a couple of treatments. It wasn't much, but... I remember the conversations and I remember being given the exercises and I remember the difference that it made for me. And so between my experience with that and just knowing what I liked, knowing that I liked helping people, knowing that I was really interested in science and anatomy and, and sport, but majorly helping people and cultivating lasting relationships with people, all of those things combined drew me to physiotherapy. And then When I was in high school in 12th grade, my parents had a conversation with the owners of what was then Daniel's Camber Physiotherapy, and they invited me to um, shadow at their clinic, and then I got to see what it was like, and it was just like I was so in it at that point. I I saw so many different things with so many then therapists, which then became my colleagues later. I know the physiotherapy world is extremely wide and vast, and there are so many different opportunities for you to find different areas in physiotherapy that you can choose to specialize in. So is there a particular area of physio that you find the most interesting? So for me, I, so yeah, like you said, there's a couple different areas to you know, broadly explain that there's musculoskeletal physiotherapy, which works with muscles and bones primarily. 
in inpatient and outpatient settings in a clinic. So I'm at just a I'm at a private clinic in Saskatoon. So that's what I do. And then there's areas um, that you can work in. Uh, you can work with cardiovascular patients as well, people that have heart or lung issues or just general um, deconditioning and medical issues that physiotherapy helps with. And then there's also neurological conditions like multiple sclerosis or traumatic brain injury or stroke or things like that, that physiotherapy helps to rehab as well. So for me, I'm a private practice outpatient physiotherapist. So I do a lot with muscles and bones. I know when it comes to physiotherapy, one of the cool things about it is that there are always new courses and new things that you can do to further your skill set. So I'm curious if there are any particular things that you would like to invest time in in the future. Oh, so many things. So many things. Um, some of the big things that I will want to do in the near future will be continuing to further my education on pelvic health physiotherapy. There's lots of different areas that you can delve into more specifically. So I'd like to delve into complex and persistent pain when it comes to pelvic health physiotherapy, just because we have so many nerves and so many things things going on with our pelvic floors that I'd really like to dive into that quite a bit. I would also like to see what I can do to help male patients a little bit more when it comes to pelvic health physiotherapy. That was part, and we'll probably dive into this later, but to, to make it short, that was uh, part of the reason why I became a pelvic health physiotherapist was when I was working with a male client. I would also really like to dive into the areas of acupuncture and dry needling too. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've just, I've seen a lot of my colleagues utilize it and it just helps, especially with some of those really persistent muscular tight tissues where you're just trying to work at getting those tissues to loosen up. It's just like literally <laughs> quick and to the point, I guess. <laughs> Bad one. Dad jokes. Uh-huh. But it's, <laughs> it's a quick and to the point way of getting things to release. And also just that nervous system modification. Then our nerves do an awful lot in our body. They sense pain. They tell our, our muscles to contract. They also can determine our response to pain if we're if we're really hyperactive to the pain or if we're less sensitized to the pain they do a lot so there's a lot of nervous system modification that comes along with the dry needling and the acupuncture as well those are probably my more immediate things but I have a list Sabrina so many different things I want to do (laughs) it's really exciting though because then you're not um you're not stuck ending up in a rut of the same information and the same things you can expand what you do and where that's pretty cool though it's super cool. And you know, the other cool thing on the note of expanding what I do as well as I do some teaching with the School of Physiotherapy as well. Oh, nice. And yeah, that's a lot of fun, actually. Definitely switches it up. I really enjoy teaching students and having my own students and they keep me on my toes. I keep them on their toes. And it's just, it's cool to see things through. It's like seeing things through kids' eyes sometimes. Yeah seeing what you're doing through somebody else's eyes and it can be really enlightening and inspiring and motivating and it's really cool that is pretty neat look at you just like doing it all 
I just, I love it, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Well, let's chat about pelvic floor a little bit because over the last, like, I don't even know, 10 years, I've kind of noticed a significant increase in awareness and like just talk about women's pelvic floor physiotherapy. That's a mouthful. Holy man. Um, <laughs> but I have, I've noticed it a lot more just in general, like hearing things about it. Women are talking about it more. Like, let's chat about that a little bit. It is so good. And I've kind of got to watch that evolve because touching back on what we talked about earlier. So when I was at Daniel's Kimber Physiotherapy, I started, I shadowed there. And then as soon as I started university, I began working there as an administrator. And two of the physiotherapists that I worked with for years were pelvic floor physiotherapists at Daniels Kimber at the time. And so I got to see how people would come to them, just a couple of people, but they were pretty well known. There was only a few physiotherapists that really treated pelvic floor issues at that time. And now there are many more of us. And it is so good that women are having the conversation that you don't have to live with urinary incontinence so losing control of your pelvic floor and peeing yourself (laughs) or having issues with uncontrollable gas or pelvic pain pain with intercourse things like that that instead of just like oh you're a mom now this is what you have to live with and oh here's your depends or oh you're just gonna pee when you laugh you're just gonna pee when you jump and try to do anything you know, oh, you're trampoline. just going to have these issues. The trampoline. The trampoline. Is the yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's this new, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Well, you probably have. There's these new exercise classes called Kangoo. Oh, yes, I think. yes, yes. That's oh, what they're called the exercise bouncy, classes. The on the bouncy, like the moon shoes, Sabrina. Okay, I, honestly, <laughs> my, first, my first thought when I saw those was I was like, I like, and personally for me, I went through a year of physiotherapy to deal with this issue. But I, my yeah. first thought, like my head was like, I can't take that class. Like there is no way that I would ever be able to take that class. Like I would just be peeing myself. And I talked to a couple ladies that take the class and they're like, yeah, we just, we just wear pads. And I was like, really? Like, that's fun. Like, yeah. And people do, they're just like, we just wear pads and they're just reserved to the fact that they're just going to have to compensate for these issues for the rest of their lives. Yay for always. Uh... Yay for all. Depends, you know, that, but now not so yay for them because now people are starting to realize that they don't just have to live with these issues. There are things that they can do and it makes a big difference for so many people. And yeah, it's wonderful. Even just urinary frequency, the people that have to go to the bathroom every five seconds, it seems like people, you know, some people would wake up at night five, six, seven, eight times to go to the bathroom just because that's what their bodies and their bladders are accustomed to and their sleep would be interrupted and they'd always be exhausted and the difference that it can make and quickly actually in some circumstances that you can train your bladder and you can relax the pelvic floor muscles and you can teach yourself breathing strategies to manage pressure. There's so many things that you can do to help yourself and it's just life-changing. It sounds a little preachy, but as a mom of three kids, I got to have two pregnancies and two deliveries as not being a pelvic health therapist and receiving pelvic health therapy myself and then becoming a pelvic health therapist and then 
delivering that care, helping people with those things. It's just, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it in case you couldn't tell. No, you don't say, (laughs) you don't say, but it is, it is so important. And I, I actually, you would be proud. I booked an appointment to go and have an assessment done because I'm going to go back and do pelvic health again. I did through the hospital, I did physiotherapy after I had my second, I did, and it was helpful, it really was. And now after having the fourth baby, so just from a, I can say like a normal human, not a physiotherapist perspective, I'm like the things that a a baby does to your body, like I don't know, I'm not a science person, I'm just a regular human being. And I'm like, I can't believe like, you think about the damage that that could do to a woman. So for me, I'm like, you know what, I should invest time, I should go make sure everything's okay, I should deal with these things. Because apparently my doctor informs me that I have a prolapse. So I'm like, you know what, let's like, let's figure this out. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing to figure out. That's for sure. And there are things that you can do and things that you wouldn't have ever thought of addressing. Like, for instance, one of the biggest things that a person with prolapse and hands up for me as well, because I also have prolapse too, but some of the things that you wouldn't think of doing, like watching your breast strategies and learning to not hold your pelvic floor in tension, because we've always been taught, you know, especially if we participate in some athletics at some point in our lives, we've always been taught to hold that abdominal tension, that punch tension, keep strong abs, strong core, strong, 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 and hold that tension there letting go of your breath and letting go of your pelvic floor because your pelvic floor is part of your core actually and helps it to function. Just letting go of your belly actually and letting go of your breath, it makes a massive difference to how your body responds to its own pressures and it makes you perform better and it prevents issues with prolapse down the line and things like that there's so many so many things we could chat for days girl well, and okay so i have recently seen a lot more things about women going to talk about this when they're pregnant so which mm-hmm. i didn't even really think about so like what are some of the things that someone who is currently pregnant might need to talk about or can address before they even deliver so great question so when a mom is pregnant their core is speaking of the pelvic floor being part of the core their core is changing clearly self-explanatory where our abdomens are expanding and not only that but we have hormones circulating in our system that for instance relaxin is one of the big hormones that we end up talking about it's circulating in our system making our ligaments have more movement to them so that our bodies can adjust to these changes because we're about to have a baby. And so we end up talking to moms as a pelvic health therapist. We end up teaching them how to breathe, teaching them to relax their pelvic floors at times, contract their pelvic floors at times, build some strength to the area. But most often we end up focusing in on the relaxation side of things because the pelvic floor is trying to hold and trying to compensate for the changes in the core very often. And so we're teaching things how to relax and then how to regain control because sometimes moms, this is even before they've had the baby. And let me point out, this is super important. So pelvic floor considerations or pelvic floor issues 
happen for people who have never been pregnant as well. People who are athletes or young adults or dudes as well. Like we all have pelvic floors, but specifically when it comes to pregnant mamas, we end up looking at relaxation of the pelvic floor, teaching them how to contract and relax it um, so that they can keep control of their pelvic floors, get it ready for delivery, trying to relax during delivery, and then teaching them what they can do to recover it in those early stages after you've had a baby as well. And then also we help with just teaching and helping to keep strength in the other parts of the body as well, because everything is connected. So teaching how to keep strength in the hips and the back and still the core require can still does a job as well of stabilizing your spine, giving you some core exercises that a person can do during pregnancy and hip strengthening and back strengthening and stretches as well. There's so many things. If someone is listening right now and they are interested in maybe getting a pelvic floor assessment done, is that something that they can come and talk to you about? 100%, you betcha. Okay. So yeah, if somebody's interested in booking an assessment, they are welcome to give me a call at the clinic and we can chat about their particular circumstance. They're welcome to call into the clinic and just say, you know what, I think I have something going on with my pelvic floor. I'll just book an assessment with Kristen, come on over. We actually have a couple of pelvic health therapists that are at our clinic. So it's myself, Michelle Donald, who's one of the owners of the clinic. Um, Lisa LePage is also at the clinic who's been practicing pelvic health for many years. She's super experienced, like a wealth of knowledge. And then also uh, Lindsay as well as another physiotherapist that's coming back to the clinic from her maternity leave I think she'll be coming back sometime in March. So we've got a couple of us oh, in there. Oh, that's awesome. I love that it's being mm-hmm. more talked about. And I think the more women that get involved, the better we will all be because it's going to be something that's less taboo to talk about and people will just be more open to chatting. Yeah, big time. Like I can just say what a difference it makes in so many people's lives, either if they're pregnant, if they just had a baby or if they had a baby 40 years ago. I've worked with those women as well, and it makes a big difference to be able to help them to control their pelvic floors so that they're not leaking and that they're not having troubles with, oh, say, tailbone pressure, having troubles with sitting, going to the bathroom a lot, painful sex. That's something that people don't like to talk about, that's for sure, but it takes a toll on you and your mental health and your relationships if you're having difficulties with sex and it's uncomfortable that's something that we make a difference with for people as well not comfortable to talk about but it's yeah it's a huge difference maker in quality of life and people people. don't have to suffer in silence with things like that it's you know you guys are open to talk about these things and to you it's just like another day at work like you're not phased by it no there's no filter and you know it's it's uncomfortable for people to talk about but you can ask me anything chances are you're not the only person that has a question like that okay so you you touched a little bit you mentioned mental health so let's chat a little bit about Um, mental health and just self-care in general and let's talk about how maybe mental health what role has that played in your motherhood journey yeah so it's 
touched on my mother, her, her journey in a couple different ways. So I, for me personally, I wasn't diagnosed with any postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, but I know that I had those things playing a role in my, not so much my pregnancies, but in my postpartum stages. I felt like there, certainly there are a lot of things to be worried about as a mom. (laughs) And I took that to the nth degree at times. And I think, you know what, that's common. That's definitely not, you're not alone in that. So many moms do. Yeah, no, definitely. And there were stages where I think I probably could have sought some counsel and it would have helped me. But, you know, motherhood is busy and you just don't do that for yourself. But I think it's important to do. And there are um, counselors that are available to help people. Were there any particular strategies that maybe you found extra helpful when you were faced with some of those maybe difficult postpartum days? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, well, you know, (laughs) you were there uh, talking to friends about it and just having those real conversations with other moms and friends, you know, having surrounding yourself with people that you can actually have honest and real conversations with is key for me. I definitely like to talk things out if there are things that are going on that I feel uncomfortable with. It just helps me to unburden myself surrounding myself with good friends like you and my mom and some other good friends and just talking to my husband about it that's major and another huge huge one for me with managing my mental health um, and balancing that is exercise whenever I can Uh, even when I don't feel like it because I'm a physiotherapist I end up talking about exercise with people a lot and still there are times when I don't feel like doing it either, (laughs) you know, but I know that if I get outside for a walk or a run or a bike ride, or even if I just get my kids outside, getting some fresh air, getting some physical activity, some physical exertion, doing some weights, doing some yoga, you know, there are some really excellent YouTube yogas out there that you can anybody can take advantage of for free, which is nice to just like take a few moments and breathe and move. That was really helpful for me as well. So in that way, I was able to manage things decently, I would say. So exercise (laughs) could kind of fall into self-care. Are there any specific things when it comes to self-care? Like how does that look to you? For me, yeah, it's, it's, Exercise is a big one for me for when it comes to self-care. Like sometimes I'll take a bubble bath and sometimes I'll read a book and those things are really nice. But for me, the big one on the daily is exercise for sure. That's my biggest self-care that feels that feels the most efficient in, you know, biggest bang for my buck and what I can do with my time to make myself just feel a lot more rejuvenated. It does. It really does. You, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, it wouldn't make a huge difference, but your mood improves, I find, significantly when you are active it, uh, compared to days when I do nothing. <laughs> Big time. And it helps you accomplish something. You know, sometimes Evan was saying, my husband was saying, he read an article about how in the military they have people start off with small things, small things that you can accomplish. So they have people start off with making their beds. That's one small accomplishment that you can have in your day. Exercise, because let's be real, as moms, 
the laundry pile is endless. The dishes are endless. The tidying is endless. The need to, you know, bath and all these things, it feels just like an endless thing that we always have to do. It's hard to really check those things off your list. But if you get in a little bit of exercise, check mark, you've accomplished something and then you have a little bit of a sense of accomplishment where otherwise sometimes you it's hard to feel like you can accomplish anything. You know, even when you try to drink a cup of coffee, sometimes that's hard to even accomplish finishing drinking a yep. cup of coffee. That little, those little dregs that sit in there and you've reheated your cup a couple of times, whatever. Exercise is a way to cross something off your list and feel some accomplishment. So, do as you well. think you have any sort of like phrase or mantra, something that you kind of speak to yourself if you're having one of those, just one of those rough days? Do you have anything that's your go to? I do a lot of like just breathes. Recently, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Recently, over the last while, Evan, my husband's been really into drinking whiskey. So sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll have a drink. I'll have a glass of wine or a whiskey at the end of the day. I'll say hey, it. Have a drink, I guess. There's no shame <laughs> in that. Um, but yeah, a lot of like, just breathe. It's one of those crazy days. I've been trying to do this because I, I don't know about you, but with COVID and the pandemic, things have been heavy for not just me, but a lot of people lately. And so trying to find some gratitude, again, as cl- cliche as this sounds, trying to find some gratitude and some things that you can find joy in in your day-to-day life is really important because you can go down a rut where you have this negative thought process happening on a regular basis. And so if you get down, it's like, oh, the house is a mess. The dishes aren't done. The laundry isn't done. It's still in its pile. I haven't, whatever, dusted this nightstand and who knows how long, you know, those things. Instead of going down those processes, especially in a trying day when the kids are just like pushing your buttons really easily, thinking to myself, just breathe and trying to find some things to be grateful for through the day helps me to keep on keep on keeping on well, moving we gotta forward do what we got to do and right now yeah you got to find those sparks of joy because sometimes they're really hard to find but we do have to yeah. we do have to find them where we sit in those valleys and it can be really dark and depressing if we don't seek some joy in every day so i want to chat about mom fail moments because you know how much i love to just normalize these moments for moms because every mom goes through mom fail moments Every mom goes through these moments that feeling like they're just dropping absolutely every single ball in their court, that they just aren't enough. And I know that you have a good mom fail moment with your little one. What had happened was Anderson was up and walking around and getting into things. And I was just cooking and doing whatever it is I was doing. So I, you know, this, I guess it's not really a mom fail in that we all have to do that sometimes where our kids aren't hundred percent supervised at every single moment. I wouldn't call that a mom fail. I would just call that reality. But what had happened in this case was that Anderson had gone into the bathroom and he was just into everything and the toilet was open. And I like where this is going. One of I, like my, this. I think you can see where this is going. So my kids, I don't know why I have to tell them a hundred times to flush the toilet, but they don't flush the toilet every time. And Anderson had, I'm like sitting there and I'm cooking dinner. I'm like, oh, it's too quiet. It's too quiet. You know, that moment when it's just way too quiet. 
so I go looking for him and what's happened is he's too like fists into the toilet there's poop in there he's he's like two fists into the poop he's like rubbing it on the toilet it's on the ground it's on his face uh he's put Mm. some in his mouth like it's like well really yeah really nasty so (laughs) i'm like washing this kid's mouth out and cleaning all this poop up and it's just like yeah mom fail for somehow allowing my child to eat poop oh my goodness (laughs) disgusting (laughs) so bad but you know stuff happens right it really really does oh man (laughs) That's good. But we, yeah. we all have moments yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely do. And I love do. to share yeah. them because, you know what? It makes people feel less alone in their chaos and their fails because we are all in the thick of it. Yeah. Big time. It's just, it's so nice to have a community of moms that you can just keep it real with. Like, So yeah. keeping it real, um, I drink a lot of coffee. I also drink a lot of wine. Um, so maybe Mm -hmm. I could just pick one. Which one do you drink more of and how much on average a day you're supposed to make me feel better about myself? Okay. Coffee versus wine. This is what we're doing. I drink more coffee. Just, just keeping it real. I drink more coffee. Sometimes I will have a glass of wine at the end of the day or a glass of whiskey just because I don't, so I haven't got into this and I'm like, well, this tastes disgusting, but I'm going to look really cool like they do in suits or vampire diaries or whatever. Insert cool show where they're sitting, you know, blown off steam drinking their scotch or their whiskey or their bourbon or whatever. But I drink more coffee. I drink one to two cups a day, which I don't feel is that bad. And then I try to drink, I try to drink a lot of water and stuff like that. But yeah, sometimes I'll have a the, the glass of wine or whiskey or keeping it real today. Like I definitely had Bailey's in all three of my cups of coffee. Well, I mean, you're currently on holidays, so you can enjoy your coffee and Bailey's, mama. So I'm curious, do you have a place in your house for these, for a mommy timeout? Days when things are just too much to handle and you just need to kind of recharge and catch your breath if i need a mommy timeout, i'll just like try to silently sneak away i can't go to the bathroom or anything like that because my kids just know it and they'll just follow me there and come and hammer on the door that doesn't work i'll usually like sneak out into the garage and just sit there or i'll sneak downstairs to the basement and just like hide in one of our bedrooms down there Sometimes you just need those few moments to yourself just to catch your breath. And that's all you need just to recharge. Just like check. They're safe. Okay. I'll just go sit in yeah, the garage for a few minutes. Mom needs here. A break. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've heard mine. Yeah. Sometimes I buckle them into the car and get them ready to go. And then <laughs> wait in the house for a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely have done that too. Absolutely. That's, that's a keeper. That's a good one. Because they're they are. I'm contained. Like, I know you know, they're going to be fine. They're buckled in, you know, or there's been times where I'm like, I just, I, I need a coffee. I just need, you know, I want to treat myself. So I'll put on a movie just where we have nowhere to go. We just go, I oh. put on a movie in the car and then we go and I get drive through and I'm like, no, I'm fine. I, I feel good about this. Oh, those are the best actually. <laughs> yeah. If you just buckle them up there. Yeah. Our, 
minivan that we picked up in the springtime here has the DVD player in it. And yeah, it's just delightful. Turn on a show and just drive a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, no tame in it, I tell you. Yeah, during those particularly tough times, that's always as long you just get them in there. It doesn't matter what shape they're in. They're in a warm vehicle. So it's like, yeah, shoes, optional. There's been times where some optional. of my kids don't have pants on. Nope. Yeah, like, oh, totally. We'll a, I'm like, I keep, I keep blankets in the car. It's like, <laughs> by total whatever. So I'm like, oh, cover up the blanket. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. yeah, They'll exactly. Be They'll be good. Well, thank you so, so much <laughs> mm-hmm. for sharing your story on my episode today. I have really enjoyed having your story on here. And I'm sure that my listeners are going to love hearing all about you and your world. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that I hope that sharing a little bit of my motherhood journey gives somebody else some comfort and give somebody else some information about some physio and I love listening to these podcasts and listening to other people's because I'm just like sitting there like, yeah, yeah, oh, I, I totally hear you on that. Well, thank it's you nice. so much. And I'm yeah. going to share when we post this episode, I'm going to be sharing um, how you can get in touch with Kristen to book appointments. Um, if you're looking for a physiotherapist, because I can highly recommend Kristen and well, anyone, anyone at the office there is great. Um, but I will post your contact information for the office so that people can find out where to to find you. Absolutely. If anybody has questions, definitely give me a shout. I am more than happy to answer and help. Well, I just want to say a special thank you to Kristen for taking the time to record that with me, because even though I have known Kristen for See, oh, see here, I'm recording this ending to this episode and real life is going on around me right now. Welcome to the circus. Miss George is not happy. So this just goes to show you guys, this is a podcast for moms. And if you are a mom who is worried about your chaos appearing in the recording, this is a real life podcast. We're all moms. We all have chaos. I've had dogs barking. I've had husbands come in and say things. I've had TVs go off. I've had kids cry. It's all real life. We're all moms. We're all going through it. And it's all okay. Now, what I was saying before the crying. So Kristen recorded with me and I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful for every mom that takes the time to record with me because I know that we're all busy and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm grateful for you for listening every time I put it on an episode. So thank you so much to everyone. Also, next week, we have a brand new episode feature, which I'm super pumped about. We have... Oh, now she wants yogurt. Like I said, it's real life, folks. Um, We have a panel-style episode, and it's going to feature... The first one is going to feature three guest mamas, and we're talking juicy, controversial, hot topics. It's a ton of fun. You're not going to want to miss it. So that'll air on Friday as per the rest of my episodes for season two. Every Friday, we're going to be dropping an episode. So thanks again. And make sure you find some of those sparks of joy in your chaos like I'm about to do. Now back to the circus.